This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. The most profound legacy is apparent to their child. Who they become and the pillars upon which they built their life are very much driven by their parents and the most important and profound people in their lives. One's direct impact on a loved one has arguably an infinite and unknowable impact on your legacy. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll hear about the benefits of group guided tours. We'll discuss how to create a legacy. We'll find out how to eat healthy when you don't like to cook. And lastly, we'll learn the best ways to practice mindfulness for the holidays. But first, a little bit of business. With EF Go Ahead Tours Canada, experience the world like a local by traveling alongside expert guides who call your destination home. Enjoy authentic meals, immersive sightseeing, and enriching cultural activities. They'll handle all the details. All you have to do is enjoy your trip. For more information, visit goaheadtours.ca. George Levesque is currently the vice president in charge of EF Go Ahead Tours Canada. He previously held various senior positions and was responsible for the creation of various divisions at EF Education First, the world's largest educational organization. Trained in advanced negotiations at Harvard Business School, George has traveled to over 100 countries as well as every American state and Canadian province. He resides in Montreal and works in Toronto, and we're happy to have him here on the show today. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How about you? Good. You know, this show's all about health and wellness, and we take a very eclectic approach to that concept. And as I've gotten older, I was never much of a traveler when I was young, but now we go all over over the world uh, with our kids or we meet our kids when they're away at school. And I see there are so many benefits to travel. It's so beneficial. But we're here today to talk about a particular kind of travel, and that's the guided tour, right? That's correct. So what is a guided tour for those who don't know? Guided tours are all-inclusive group travel experiences led by guides who follow a specific itinerary. And these types of tours are popular worldwide. There's a variety of types of guided tours, and they cater to every age, Jamie. Okay. So why would somebody take a guided tour? Like, like, what are they going to get out of it other than what they would get if they were just taking a trip? Well, it's the safest and most convenient way to travel, really. What do you mean by that? Well, all the complicated logistics are handled for you, and you're accompanied 24-7 by an expert local tour guide who speaks the language and knows the the ins and outs of, of the destination you're going to. So opposed to organizing it yourselves where you have to plan it all out, you really can follow a nice itinerary and get in-depth in the destination. Right. So this this would appeal to somebody who wants to go away, but really doesn't even know how to get started, may know nothing about their destination, but you take care of it for them, right? Precisely. Handle all the hotels, the the meals, right. uh, the tours around the city, and all, again, accompanied by a tour director who speaks the local language. And just that barrier of, of trying to get through in places you're unfamiliar with and speaking the language that's required, just getting through that will, will improve the experience of your trip. 
I could see it being beneficial. You know, when we plan these trips with our kids, you know, it used to be there would be travel agencies that you could go to and, and you know, they were, they were everywhere and they could help you plan and they had been on the trip so they could explain to you, what, you know, where you'd want to go if you're going to Barcelona or Paris or here or there. But now th- that doesn't exist so much anymore. So having a service where it's all inclusive in the sense that the decisions are being made for you would be very helpful if you didn't know where to start. That's precisely right. And because they're curated, you're going to see the places that matter the most and have the biggest impact in terms of the educational content of that trip. And I would think another benefit would be that you know, like, let's say you're the type of person who's introverted or who doesn't have a travel partner but wants to go away. I would think a guided tour with a group would be a great way of sort of going without having the pressure of being traveling alone, for example. Absolutely. About a quarter of our travelers in our company are solo travelers. And they love the idea of being able to connect with lots of other people. And I think that's a, one of the greatest ancillary benefits of what we do is that you also meet new people. And many, many of our travelers who have gone on some of our trips have remained in contact with fellow travelers from all over North America and, and interact with them regularly, continue to travel with them, and they've built long, in-depth friendships. So the name of your company is Education First, EF. That's what it refers to. Are, are, are your guided tours on the educational side? They are. They're a little bit more in-depth than typical group travel. So we, we've been around for 55 years. We have over 50,000 employees in, in over 100 countries, and because of that we've really learned in-depthly about virtually every destination that we go to, and we typically have local offices which provide support. And, and frankly, we, we often say that we know the world better than anybody else. Well, that's great. So from an experiential perspective, what's going to be different? If I went on one of your tours, and I, let's, we can pick any city, if I were to go on my own or with my family alone, what's going to be different from my experience if I went on a tour with you? Well, there's quite a few different things, but the, the, I think the two main ones are exclusive access and in-depth experiences. So when I say exclusive access, what I mean by that, Jamie, is that the world has gotten busy when it comes to travel. And if you're around Rome, or you're in Rome, excuse me, any time around from April to October, and you want to go visit the Vatican, you're going to wait hours in line. Right. But with group travel, you get right to the front, and you have a set time, we go, uh, you get VIP access. We just uh, went to Paris for the first time, uh, and we went to the Louvre, and uh, we could have waited in line for hours, but we had a secret backdoor pass, which we had to pay a premium for, but we got uh, an advanced tour because of a specialized tour guide, uh, which meant we didn't have to spend you know the entire day at the Louvre. We could do it in a morning, and that made a huge difference to us. So if that's the sort of thing that you're looking at, or you're talking about, I think that's hugely beneficial. Yeah, it is also when you do a guided sightseeing tour of the city, you're doing that with an expert local guide. And so they're going to show you the nooks and crannies and the places to go to that you would have a hard time figuring yourself. Right. And that's that's a great upside to what we do. Right. And with these tours, it's all with that aspect. So, for example, if you're going to the Vatican in Rome, I presume that's all inclusive in part of your trip. Is that, it is. is that? Yeah. And, and different companies provide different inclusions. But your standard fare visiting the city and being guided through it is generally all included. There's many optionals excursions that you can do, and those are usually in the evenings or or will take even two days to do, and, and those you can opt in or opt out. But for the most part, everything's included. 
Okay. Now, um, when we were discussing sort of the benefits of, of tours before the interview, you mentioned that it, it saves people time. How, how does that work? Well, it saves you time in, in, in a few different ways, Jamie. One is just the organizational part. I mean, if you think about organizing your own trip and the amount of time you have to spend online, book the hotels and confirm those and the flights and, and transportation between the cities and, and trains get canceled and then you have to spend time rebooking and all right. of that. But then when you get on the ground, you're much more efficient when you're doing guided travel because we, we take the quickest route there. We have the best modes of transportation to get you there. Right. Uh, sometimes that is public transportation, but often it's, it's it's a, a bus that accompanies you directly. Uh, we also have access to more centrally located hotels at rates that are far below what you would pay right off the street or trying to book, particularly at peak times in major European cities. And because of that, uh, you're going to do less traveling in and out of those cities and to key uh, points of interest. Right. So you're saying that as part of the price of, of the tour, you're getting group discounts on the hotels, which means you can house them in a better hotel than if they were going on their own at the same price. Absolutely. I think most people who discover guided travel will notice that after they've organized their own trip and make a comparable assessment, they actually pay less and they get all the support, uh, the guided the, the guided sightseeing, they get the tour director with them at all time. It's it's because we 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 purchase many much more than the average person does, or as a company we purchase right. Many hotel nights and bus tours, and and we pass most of those discounts on to our travelers. Right. I, I think that you know the most important thing you you just said about the organization is you know it's the transportation in between the sites if you're on tour that is the difficult part, right? Like keeping track of your train tickets and when you have to be at a station and when you when would you have to leave to go to a cab to get to this train station to get to that site. When you don't have to deal with that, I think it would make your trip that much easier. Oh, I, I agree. I've done both, and it, it, it's so nice to be able to just enjoy the city and then be advised that you need to leave at a certain time to catch a, a train so that you can do a transfer to the next city. and makes it so much easier. Okay, so I think people might be concerned about going on a guided tour because they might feel as though it's too programmed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are you too programmed or is there free time on, on these tours? No, there's a significant amount of free time. So like I mentioned, there's many optional excursions, Jamie, and, and you can pick to do those or not. And when you don't, well, then that frees up some time. But we've also, over the years, learned from our travelers uh, on their preferred methods of, of experiencing certain cities. So we build in a lot of free time. So uh, the buses never leave before 9 o'clock on the tour so you can sleep in, have a nice breakfast, oh, all that's, included that breakfast sounds, at the hotel. That sounds right. good, yeah. That, that sounds good, particularly if you've had a couple of glasses of wine the night before. Right. And then and then we typically always give some time in the afternoon, even though there might be an evening event or an evening dinner, because we know that people want to walk around, enjoy maybe with their companion, or go shopping by themselves, grab a little gelato. It, that is built in. You're not being herded like cattle here. We, we really do give you lots of time to discover at your own pace. But then again, all the logistics are handled, so we make it a lot more simple and uh, at ease for you to visit the particular sites and cities. Okay. Another concern that somebody might have about these tours is that, oh, you know, I don't want to go on a tour. It's just for old people or, you know, I'm like, I want to go with my family. I I want it to be a family excursion. Do you find that the tours allow for intergenerational travel? Absolutely. We have travelers who are as young as six years old, six years old, excuse me, traveling with their parents or their grandparents and as old as 90. Right. Uh, and there's a there's a mix on all all different types of trips and tours. Of course, there's certain destinations that cater for a little younger 
um, visiting uh, Peru, for example, Machu Picchu. There's a little bit of hiking, walking yeah. around, a right. uh, little bit more strenuous. It's not something my 80-year-old father would like to do. Right. Um, the London or Paris city stays tend to be for people a little bit older because it's slower pace and they, they sometimes visit those cities for the first time. But there's really an intermix. And we, as a company, have over 175 destinations worldwide and we run multiple tours to those destinations. So it's hundreds and hundreds of tours. And often we, uh, you can select the one that's best for, for family. What we get a lot of is intergen- intergenerational travel. So we right. get grandparents traveling with their sons or daughters traveling with their grandchildren right. and all on the same tour on the same bus. Great. For those who can't picture it in their heads, what would a day look like if we were in a, like a, an amazing city? You, so, you, you pick a city. Sure. So let's pick Rome, for example. I love Jamie, Rome. Right? It's a gorgeous city. You yeah. wake up in the morning. You have a beautiful breakfast downstairs, all-inclusive buffet. Um, and then you meet up with your expert local tour guide who takes you walking around the spectacular city and yeah. shows you the back end. Piazza right? Navona. Navona, the, the Trevi Fountain, Spanish, Spanish Steps. Right. But not just so you walk and take a picture. They really show you the the, 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 the back streets and right. the best cappuccino right. uh, cafe or the pl- best place to get a, a cappuccino or an espresso, uh, get some that gelato that you wanted. Then right. maybe you get a little free time for lunch and it's on your own. So you get to discover with getting some some uh, some ideas from your tour director. Then you'd meet up again and go right to the front of the line at the Vatican to visit, visit the Sistine Chapel. Nice. Terrific. And then again, a little free time to do some shopping, take a few pictures, be around the Colosseum perhaps, and then you meet up again and have a beautiful dinner on top of a uh, rooftop restaurant with a glass of Italian wine. Well, that sounds amazing. It does. So that sounds like it's a great, a great deal of activity. Is it expensive? Is gui- are guided tours expensive relative to what I might put together w- with my trip? Yeah, like I said earlier... When we do a lot of that type of analysis, we discover that our tours generally are less expensive than if people organize it themselves. Okay. Yeah. So because of the volume, you're able to discount everything. And and so if I were to go to the Vatican, if I were to go to the Colosseum, if I were to go see all those other things and be guided around, I'd be paying much more. Absolutely. It's the Costco model because we buy so many of those entry tickets and we book so many millions of nights of hotel rooms a year around the world. Right. Uh, We get far better rates than you could ever traveling on your own or as a family. Okay. Now, you, you touched upon some of the optional side tours and things like that. How much customized is available? Is it more like you have options every day or can I plan additions in advance of the trip so that I can sort of supplement the trip? You could do both. So you can pick the optionals in advance. You can make special requests and experiences that you want to to have yourself. Oh, you're able to customize it to that extent? You can. We work with partners in, in order for you to do that. But we've had families, for instance, reserve boats themselves for an evening family event while they were on one of our tours and we've helped them do that. Fantastic. Yeah. So this is a health and wellness show, right? Mm-hmm. And when I travel, it's funny, my family, like, we'll go to a city, but then we'll make sure that part of what we're doing has a fitness element or a healthy eating element. So, for example, when we were in Barcelona, we went and we went for a day hike on the Costa Brava. What sort of health and wellness aspects do you have in your trip? Well, 
we have a team that looks at all the nutritional value on on all the restaurants that we work with, and oh, they wow. always have healthy options. So you can pick a vegetarian option. We don't just serve you what is presented. We give you an option in terms of what you would like to eat. And we've, over the years now, have incorporated a lot of optional events where there is yoga, where there is a walking tour right. uh, in, in the weekend, uh, particularly through Tuscany, for example, there's cycling trips. So we do the best that we can to, to incorporate a lot of that wellness in, in our group travel. There's lots of wellness in Tuscany. I've, I spent uh, three weeks uh, in Chianti, and I was doing. This is when I was still running. I would run up and down the mountains. So the cyclists would be cycling around the mountains, and I'd be running. And let me tell you, that was some tough slogging. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes. So, what should you look for in a tour operator? If you were going to consult with a friend or family member, what sort of things would you say are the key elements to look for? So. First and foremost, I would make sure that they were certified under a government aid agency. So in Ontario here, it's TICO, the Travel Industry Council of Ontario. That means that all companies who are registered have to keep all monies received by travelers in a trust fund, mm-hmm. and they only release once the travelers have uh, finished a trip. So if we were to go bankrupt tomorrow, You're everybody not be, who signed up would get be all stranded. the money back. You wouldn't be stranded. So it's a it's a great support system that exists in Quebec, British Columbia, and of course here in Ontario. So there's many companies that have entered the market, this fast-growing market of travel in the last few years, and many of them are not certified, and I would be very careful about that. I would look for only companies that are legitimate, certified, uh, it requires deposits, they verify us on a regular basis, and you know that the company is credible if they're TECO certified. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Jamie. It was a pleasure. You'll come back again soon, I hope? Anytime. Look forward to it. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to create a legacy on The Tonic. Jack Nathan Health offers Canadians convenient care with 74 multidisciplinary clinics located within Walmart stores. The largest ever Jack Nathan Health Medical Center is now open in Vaughan, Ontario at 8300 Highway 27. The new 8300 square foot clinic offers integrated services for the whole family, including family medicine, physiotherapy and chiropractic, chronic pain management, massage and a registered dietitian. There's also an on-site Dynacare blood laboratory plus same-day referrals, walk-in appointments and a new annual health assessment option. Jack Nathan Health is a one-stop shop for proactive health management. For more information, visit jacknathanhealth.com. At Caregiver Services Limited, we specialize in 12 to 24-hour private care for seniors in private homes, hospitals, or facilities. We provide the highest level of customized service for families looking for a caregiver or personal support worker. To ensure the highest quality of care and support, we limit the number of clients we service. Whether you're looking for general live-in care or have more significant needs related to mobility issues, dementia, or palliative care, finding someone who's a great fit is most important. At Caregiver Services Limited, our highly experienced staff specialize in meeting the unique needs of 12 to 24-hour care. For more information, please visit caregiverservices.ca. Let our family help care for yours. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. My next guest, David Bernstein, graduated from the Schulich School of Business with an MBA in 1992. 
He worked in marketing and senior management with Procter & Gamble and Reckitt-Binkieser in Toronto, Tel Aviv, Amsterdam, and London. Following in the footsteps of several family members, David entered the seniors' healthcare field, acquiring Caregiver Services Limited in 2014. Welcome back to the show, David. How are you? I'm good, Jamie. Nice to see you. Yeah. So today we're talking about something positive. Like we've, we've been talking a lot about mortality recently, but this is sort of a different perspective on it, and that is how we're remembered and mm-hmm. how we want to be remembered mm-hmm. and, and what we can do to facilitate that for our loved ones and family members. So what does the word legacy mean to you? It's a good question. I actually had to look it up. The (laughs) definitions weren't very good. The one that really resonated for me, and I really did look it up because uh, it's interesting to see what you feel a word means versus what, I don't know, uh, Webster thinks it means. Yeah, It's basically letting you feel like your life mattered. If you have... I sort of see two types of legacies. There's a material legacy. Yeah. So that could be someone donating money. Accomplishments. Accom- things that physically, right. for the most part, post-date you. Right. They Exist beyond your life. They, they, they exist materially beyond your life. So works of art, architecture. Anything. It could be, uh, you know, uh, I was thinking my own family was going, well, my grandfather and his friends created this cottage community. Right. It's 70 years later. That's a legacy. It's a material yeah. legacy. Yep. The other component is what I'm, at least I call an intrinsic legacy. It's the impact that your life has had on how other people behave feel, think. You can't touch it. It's not material. I'd say the most profound legacy is a parent to their child. Right. There's, I mean, I guess materially they exist as a, as a human. Yeah. <laughs> but who they become and the pillars upon which they built their life are very much uh, driven by their parents and the most important and profound people in their lives. And so I think, you know, I'm a parent of a relatively young child, and we've begun to talk about, uh, you know, loving each other and people who aren't here anymore and do they live in our hearts and those kinds of things. I think that that is a a, a critical part of of legacy as well because – One's direct impact on an, on a loved one, I guess it could be a spouse, or a friend, or, or certainly your own children, has arguably an infinite and unknowable impact on your legacy. Right. It can go on in perpetuity. Forever. Right? For, for as long as there are exactly. offspring who are going to have right. more kids. Yeah. And so I think you and I have had these conversations before. I, because of my business and because of, I guess, my life, I think about mortality quite a bit. Yeah. And I ask myself... If God willing, if I have the opportunity to think about life near the end stages, um, what what do I want that to be like? Right. And I come to this key word of peace. I want a sense of peace. How do you get a sense of peace? You have to, I guess, feel somewhat proud of some of your accomplishments. Yeah. Maybe you need to feel like you've left a legacy. You've made a difference. You've made a difference. Your life mattered. Yeah. And so I think that sort of comes full circle, that legacy is very much uh, the sort of uh, proof to you, at least, that your life mattered. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I guess it allows you to sort of take it all in, to take a step back and, and really think about it. You know, it, it's funny, uh, being in the arts, I think about my legacy 
or I have up until recently, until we started having these discussions, I thought about my legacy in terms of what I produced, right? Like, am I proud of what I did when I was a, a litigator? Yeah, sure. I had some reported cases and I did some good work, but you know, who remembers that? When you put out a magazine, it's there forever, right? For as long as the paper doesn't disintegrate, it's there. And now I have a record of what I've done uh, with this radio as well and the podcast. Mm-hmm. So from a tangible perspective, for the first part that you mentioned, I have it, but I've started to focus on the other and I'm starting to think that the relationships that I have with my kids and, and my family is infinitely more important uh, than the work that I did. I'm wondering, like, I'm starting to think about it now, but is is there a time where it's too late to think about your, your legacy? Uh, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I would argue that the sooner you begin to at least consider that your life has impact. Yeah. So if it's going to have impact, whether you want it to have it or not, <laughs> right. maybe you want to influence that it's impact for good. Correct. So there's no question. And if you're fortunate enough that, you know, whether you have the financial means to be able to think about things, like, I mean, there are a lot of yeah. people, a lot, who are so consumed by or, or committed to so many things for such a high percentage of their life, they don't have the luxury of thinking about that. Right. You know, we think about our grandparents and... You know, I was thinking again when when I was uh, sort of reading the sort of the preparatory work that we go through for yeah. these discussions about my grandparents and their legacy and would they even know that that legacy exists and all these different things. And, you know, it's sort of – it's a story. You know, my grandparents have a story. They came to this country then. Right. They went and they did this. That led to this. And it's a story that makes it very easy for us to communicate to other people. But I wonder if he ever gave it a, th- a second thought. I don't think they did. I think they were too busy. I think they were too busy. They just did what they did, and the legacy is there. Yeah. Now, that may or may not be true. I, I, my grandparents lived into their 80s and, and, and then some, and so I think they probably did have a chance to be proud of what they built. And certainly, they, you know, my grandparents had 12 grandchildren, et cetera. And so I'm sure that they, without calling it anything, they felt that way. But I don't think when they were doing it, they were thinking, oh, I must leave a legacy. I may be wrong. I have to, maybe I'll yeah. ask my mother yeah. whether she actually remembers any of that. But so I don't know whether you need to proactively focus on your legacy right. uh, at any given age. But I would also say that even at the end of life, let's say you're in a situation where you know you're 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 palliative and the the phase is is short that you have left, but you have the cognitive ability to have these thoughts and these feelings. I think up until the last second, if you leave your family or your loved ones or the people around you with you know any emotional connection you have with them in that phase is still part of your legacy. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the people in your life who have passed on, that last phase is very important. You know, their dignity, their identity, their, their how they fought for whatever it is that they were fighting against, that fills you with something that that will last long after they're gone. And so even at the very end, which if I may tie ties this to some of our other conversations, I think that people fight for their dignity and their independence and their identity against possibly the wishes of family because it might put them at risk to a great extent, I think, because they want to assert who they are. Their identity. Their yeah. identity. And that is that is a profound part of their legacy. And I think so. I don't think it's ever too late. But I certainly believe that um, if it's you never have, too early, it's never too early. And if you have the luxury of yeah. being able to direct your own actions, separate from being a parent, of course, as a parent, every waking moment is, I guess, legacy building. But yeah. uh, then I think it's worth doing. In what ways can we help somebody preserve their legacy who wants to do it? What have you seen people doing? 
I, I think the, the, the most rich or the richest uh, expressions of this or, or that I've seen occur are when families have the ability to sit down with each other and tell stories yeah. and just begin the conversation. Ask a parent about their grandparents, if they remember, their parents, their own life. Get them to tell stories. I think that's where it all starts. Yep. And I think it also opens up a conversation that can go in so many different places and reveal a lot of truths and a lot of hopefully a lot of understandings between family members that may contribute to uh, good relationships anyway. More practically speaking, sort of the material again, so yeah. that's sort of the intrinsic, the yeah. material are the simple things like documenting, digitizing the documents. So it could be simple things. I mean, I we have I have a grandfather passed in his early 50s. My dad was 18. Obviously, I never met him. But there are uh, – someone brilliantly took pictures of the letters that my grandmother was sent when he passed from various interesting Canadians at the time. Yeah. And – those are really powerful for me to read a letter from uh, the the minister of this or his boss or whatever for a man I never met about his passing. Yep. And so collecting photographs, videos, documents, I think are really important and asking people to to contribute those things. And they're so easy to share. It's a lot of work to get going on. Yep. But once you get those things, it's very easy to share. And then if you're really ambitious, you get into the whole family tree yep. documenting. I've had family members do that. Yep. Um, and then a little bit more uh, sort of weird is what I would sort of say is a, a disease Bible. <laughs> where yeah. Because so practically, it's so few of us know what our sort of uh, health histories are going back several generations. And so if, you know, if you're in a position to be able to document some of those things, I think that's also part of the sort of quote-unquote legacy. I would agree. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Yeah, I know we're just getting cooking and it's time to go, but you'll come back next month and and maybe we'll explore this a bit more. Maybe we'll explore another topic tied to mortality, right? Sounds good. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll learn how to eat healthy when you don't like to cook on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Chronic stress has far-reaching negative effects on the mind and body. The Roziva brand of products offers natural and quick-acting solutions for health issues that might result from stress, including fatigue, low mood and anxiety, cognitive decline, digestive disturbances, and poor sex life. To receive a six-day sample for any of the Roziva products, Send an email to solutions at nantonnutra.com. N-A-N-T-O-N-N-U-T-R-A dot com. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. 
They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Shauna Lindzen is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. You can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalindzen.com. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jamie. So last month we talked about people cooking and eating healthy when they're on a budget. Mm -hmm. But this month, what we're going to cover is eating healthy when you don't like to cook. Yeah, great topic. And there's lots of people I know who don't like to cook. They don't see the utility. It's not in their wheelhouse. They're not confident. For whatever reason, maybe they don't have time. But they can still eat healthy too, right? And we all have to eat. We don't right. have a choice. Exactly. So we we have to make a decision if we want to eat healthy. What I normally tell people is think about deconstructed meals. Like if you don't enjoy putting meals together, getting gourmet, getting into cooking, think about eating healthy and the constituents that you should be eating. So I'm going to go through in the next few minutes lots of examples of what you can choose if you really hate cooking. Go ahead. So to start off with, um, let's talk about the beginning of the day. So breakfast, you may not be a breakfast eater and you may want something really quick. So I say to people, you don't have to cook. You don't have to heat up an element, for instance, but take a banana, dip it in some almond butter and put some hemp seeds on it. Have your fiber, your protein, your healthy fat. um, And I can give you many examples in that regard. So Um, as we always talk about, and I'm going to continue to talk about whole foods. So you can do um, like an overnight oats, for instance, an oat is a whole food. Well, I'm a big proponent of oats because I have oatmeal at least five times a week. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I cook them. I cook it in batches, right? So for 10 minutes, once, once, twice a week, I'm cooking four portions of oats that I, that, that I just reconstitute with skim milk with uh, in the microwave. Do every you morning. do that over the stove, or do you do that in a rice I, cooker? I have an induction cooker, and yes. I and I cook oatmeal in batches on the stovetop. On the stovetop at a low heat. See, some people what they do is they also will put it into their slow cooker. Sure. Or that type of thing. And if they don't like to cook, they wake up and it's like having the coffee on an electric (laughs) time switch. So what you want to do is you can also do dinner for breakfast. Like some people don't think about doing tomato slices with like an egg or something like that. They think of fruit for breakfast, but eat vegetables at breakfast. Slice up a tomato with some smoked salmon, some cucumber slices. If you want a, a toasted whole grain bagel, done. Right. So think about it deconstructed. Now, let's go through the day. So for lunch, people often, I think everyone is, most people are pretty comfortable with breakfast because they like the routine. But with lunch and dinner, people get a little bit off routine. So for lunch, I'm just thinking, if you don't like to cook, open a can of chickpeas, mix it with some um, cherry tomatoes or grape tomatoes, Pour some, drizzle some um, extra virgin olive oil, some balsamic vinegar. You haven't cooked, but you've got a full meal there. Have some um, crackers with it. Done. So think about the deconstructed meal. Make sense? Yeah. 
you're kind of putting together it's almost like a salad bar situation where yeah, you're, putting, you're yeah. putting you're putting together some stuff that your salad bars in your fridge and as long as you're your pantry and as long as it's reasonably well stocked and I, I love that I, you I, say that yeah it's, I, I call it a grazing lunch I had it yesterday so I you have the little mini carrots you have mm-hmm. a pepper I don't think cooking is cutting up a pepper or a cucumber mm-hmm. and I happen to have some salami and cheese. So if you have that, a charcuterie board, yeah, a charcuterie board with you know you can add crackers if you want, but you're not really cooking. You're just kind of assembling. And it's funny you say that because it is like a buffet, and it it is going. I always say buffets can go one way or the other way. You can either overdo it, or you can choose really well with a buffet because you have so much choice. Correct. And when you're building a plate, what you want to do in your head is think actually like the new Canada's Food Guide. Half your your plate should be two different colors minimum. Quarter of your plate should be a protein source and quarter of your plate should be a grain source. So I'm actually going to give some more examples so you can start having the wheels turn or our viewers can have the wheels turn. So for instance, um, if you think about cheese, as you said, crackers, like a whole grain cracker, some grapes and some carrot sticks. Right. What's wrong with that? That's a complete lunch or dinner. Right. And you're not cooking. As I said, you're assembling. Yeah. Right? The other the other thing is like if you don't like to cook, in some circumstances you can't necessarily get away with it without doing any cooking during the day. But why don't you just cook once? Why don't you take the dinner that you've made and then use it, the leftovers, for yes. lunch the next day? So you're not cutting out cooking, but you're having... Your, your, you're cutting your, down on the time. Correct. And I think um, the best example for that, and I know where your head's going, is um, making your protein the night before, let it be salmon or right. chicken or meat. And then, and lots of people do this very successfully. Then you put it on salad greens. Correct. And then you can throw in some jarred roasted red pepper. You can throw in some artichoke hearts just to flavor it up and give it some pizzazz and change it up a little. So I think that if people have that down pat, doing um, the dinner, thinking ahead, and that's also using the P word, planning. So planning in advance, your protein source, and you only need to do that for three or four days a week or two or three days a week. And if you don't have that, you can always open the can of chickpeas or cheese. And that's, um, we've we've talked about this a lot, but building a healthy pantry and a healthy fridge, making sure that you have the different constituents. So the protein, the carbohydrate, the fruits and the vegetables, and you just have to find out what your balance is so that you don't have food waste. Right. So getting the pre-washed greens is helpful, right? Just find the one you like. I'm an arugula man. My wife is spinach. Yeah. So Mix you know, them two together. You've got you know, some peppery and some... Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, it's in some ways, it's almost easier for an empty nester or people that are living on their own to do this because... It's hard to cook one portion, right? But if you're prepared to cook more than one portion and perhaps eat the same thing two days in a row, it's still healthy. It's Uh, almost better. Like It's it's interesting because if you live alone and you buy, let's say, two chicken breasts, you're going to have it for the next day. So it's almost easier to be an empty nester in that regard. Right. That's what I'm saying. I love that. And it's also um, less expensive and it's healthier. Correct. Um, so you just have to learn some basics. You obviously, if, if you are if you don't like to cook, you can learn how to whip up an easy salad dressing or an easy right. marinade. Yep. And it's not so much cooking. Cooking sounds scary sometimes, doesn't it? I, you know, 
if you think of it as a procedural, if you're not comfortable with the process, yes, it's always going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. But what if you reverse engineer? What if you have a particular cuisine you like? Like, let's say you like the food of Southern Italy. Well, what is that? That's garlic, anchovies, hot peppers, right? It's basics. Right. So if you have those, those are all stuff you can buy inexpensively and have in your fridge. So if you toss that with noodles, that's a pasta, right? And if you marinate your chicken in it, well, that's a delicious chicken. And if you don't have the instincts to do that, talk to someone, like maybe, you know, have a session with um, a registered dietitian or a, a cooking coach or, you know, someone who can give you that little bit of inspiration to make it less scary. And in the long run, it's, it's, it's really going to help you. I agree. Sorry, I've derailed you. What are what are some of the easy dinners that you would recommend if if, if you're not comfortable so with the process? I'm really into sheet pan or one skillet meals because yep. What that does is it cuts down on cooking time, it cuts down on ingredients, and it cuts down on cleanup time. Well, that's where people don't like to cook. Yes. They, after they eat, they want to be done with it. They exactly. Don't, they don't want to do all the dishes. Yeah. Right? So I just created a new dish called sheet pan gnocchi, where mm-hmm. you literally cut up vegetables, throw in some pre-bought gnocchi and um, some nitrate-free chicken sausage, put it all on a sheet uh, baking pan, put it at a high temperature, done in 20 minutes. That's a good recipe for people who don't like to cook. Another good thing to do is buy the rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Um, de-shred it, like shred it up, and you can make your own chicken soup with it. You can Or stir fry. Or, or a stir fry, or a sandwich, or a wrap. Yeah. Like, look, Jamie, we can come up with like 10 options in 30 seconds. So if you don't like to cook or you're scared of food safety, that type of thing... Do something like that. I have another piece of advice, and that is everybody knows what they like. If you Mm -hmm. went to a restaurant, you're probably going to order the same type of food over and over again. Some people like pasta. Some people like hamburgers. Some people like Asian food. Whatever it is, right? You could easily put together a list of the things that you order in a restaurant over and over and over again. If you like those flavor profiles, if you like to eat it, you're probably more inclined to cook it than trying a new recipe with something you're not sure of. But if you know that you like meatballs and spaghetti, why not make meatballs and spaghetti? Exactly. And I actually find some of the higher end stores sell meatballs that they've made. It is sometimes, I know this sounds funny, but it's more economical to buy six meatballs than to, you don't like to cook, go get six meatballs, buy some um, pasta, cook up some pasta and throw it in with the meatballs. Meatballs, that's not really cooking, that's prepping. And it's healthy. Put some aside of broccoli with it, Done. You could even throw a sweet potato into the oven. Done with the meatballs. Good advice. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Great topic. We're going to hear back from you next month, right? Yep, absolutely. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural Liquid Greens. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. 
It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is local yogi Tracy Sagrati. She has a post-secondary education in biology, molecular biology, nursing, acute care, public health education, and Swedish and Thai massage. She specializes in training yoga teachers, and she is the co-founder of Evolve Retreat, a phenomenal opportunity for women to celebrate and grow together in Costa Rica. For more information, visit EvolveRetreat.org. Welcome back to the show, my good friend. How are you? Thanks, Jamie. I'm so pumped to be here. Let's get into this. Let's do this because there's so many people that are going to be stressing out over the holidays who need your help more than ever, right? I know. I know. Well, they need to help themselves. That's how I like to think about it. Okay. And, uh, And they can do it through mindfulness. That's my plug. That's my plug for the day. Okay. <laughs> so, so how can they practice mindfulness over the holidays? What, what are the best approaches? Okay. So I wanted to, in this interview, I really wanted to give people a toolbox of strategies. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once we get into the, the high-pressure situation of excessive family time or excessive partying, all of, your, all of your promises to yourself kind of fall by the wayside, right? Mm-hmm. Right, Jamie? Yes. <laughs> So, yes, 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 yes. So the first strategy that I want to offer people is mindful eating. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so funny. I was meeting with a client last week and I was suggesting mindful eating. And she was like, Tracy, do people really eat mindfully? Like, what does that even look like? Can you even do it around other people? And so I was like, <laughs> no, You must eat in private. <laughs> right? I was, well, I was laughing and I was like, oh, well, maybe people think it's hard to do around other people. So I just wanted to unpack it a bit and, mm-hmm. and say, that, you know, the biggest thing that mindful eating is about is really deeply listening to your body. Mm-hmm. So it's not about dieting. It's not about cutting things out. It's just really uh, honing your awareness of the difference between hungry and satisfied. And so it, what that looks like, practically speaking, is if you're at a party or a family event, uh, two things that I suggest to people is just take a smaller plate, number one. Right? So instead of like the biggest plate, a slightly smaller plate, Mm -hmm. and then you fill the plate, and every time you take a bite, you put your utensil down, like fork, spoon, whatever you're eating with, you put it down until you've swallowed your food. Okay. And then you pick it back up. And that's it. It's so simple. I've got, I've, I've got an idea as well. Well, you know, sometimes you have to pick and choose. It's a smorgasbord or a buffet or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... Identify what it is you are super excited to eat. Exactly. And then, fine, eat those. That's okay. But then don't go back and those things that are marginal that you may or may not want, just don't, don't eat them. Yeah, you know, don't, like, don't like, go near them. Just like they're probably, you're right, they're probably not as good as the ones you were really excited to eat. Exactly. So you could skip them. Anyways. Exactly. And you're probably not hungry, right? It's, no. it's that sense of, of like, am I satisfied now? And really understanding that so often we're eating for emotional reasons. We're not eating because the body needs to be fed in that moment, right? right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the second one is mindfulness around your time. Time is like that commodity that you can't get back. It's the most important thing for everyone. And the most common complaint I hear from all my clients is that they feel that they are in the negative when it comes to time. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So there are a couple of things. Um, you know, I want people to sit down and be mindful about how much time you as an individual need to recover from social engagements or family get-togethers. And that means, like, plan your schedule. Don't plan things back to back to back. If you know that you're the kind of person that needs 24 hours of downtime before you do the next thing, you've got to schedule it in. And that that's just you kind of taking control over your life. Uh, the second thing in that, that I really recommend is to eliminate all the crap that eats your time without improving your life. And so... What's an example of that? What do you mean? Well, there are a few things that I see that I see in so many people. Um, long conversations on the phone that are about absolutely nothing, right? Yeah. When you're, when you're on the phone and you're talking about nothing and you get that feeling in your chest like, oh my God, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, and you're not getting off the phone, you've got to get off the phone, yep. right? And it's like stuff that's like gossipy or, you know, just, just stuff that doesn't enrich your life. The second thing is time with people that are only around when they want something from you. Right? Mm-hmm. So if there are people that you hear from only when they want you to do them a favor, you've got a boundary. You have to cut it, cut it out. So, I, you know, I think that's really, really important. And then the other thing is sleep. Be mindful of how much sleep you need. You know, the number one thing that affects our mood is not, I mean, think, how how are you when you're, when you don't get enough sleep, Jamie? Well, there's a base level crankiness that I exist in, (laughs) but, but if I'm not sleeping, I I think it gets ratcheted up. And and the only good, the good thing I will say is I don't need a lot of sleep, so that's okay. But you still need it. You need the regularity of it. Yeah. And you know, it's funny if if you're a person who needs more sleep, Mm -hmm. if you don't get it, I think it's actually worse. It's way worse. It's way worse from the people who need more and don't get it and so you just have to you just have to own who you are and so if you're somebody who needs nine hours of sleep you've got to schedule it in because it's going to make it's it's going to make you happier right and then when you do spend time with people you're going to be pleasant and so it's just a win-win for everyone so i think that those are really key things um i want to jump to the next one because i've got so much to say okay Um, go the next one is mindful shopping oh yes Right. And, and, you know, even for myself, like I was thinking about me and I'm, I'm surprised at my own drive to shop. Right. I'm a yogi. I'm a very mindful person. I, I try to be conscious every day. And yet there is still this tendency to, to busy myself by spending money. Right. It's just a way to to distract. But that's our society. And I would say, you know, if if you're on Instagram or you're on social media enough, you can see that the yogis are a huge market that are being marketed to, uh, you know, it's a lifestyle which connotes a lot of different things for a lot of different marketers. So you you are a target for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm buying into it. And so I think that this is a time where you can be really mindful of your shopping and you can communicate that as a family value to your family. Right. Mm -hmm. So it creates a whole other kind of experience around the holidays. Um, so, you know, a couple of things. Uh, if you're buying gifts for family, just get clear on what the budget is and then decide on a meaningful gift. And if you can, order it and have it delivered so that you're not going somewhere and just, again, wasting your time, going back to time and just browsing and buying stuff that you don't need, right? And yep. then the second piece is just buy less. You know, when I look at most kids in average North American homes, they, they don't need more toys. Yeah, that's true. They don't need, they need more time. They need more, um, you know, meaningful experiences together, right? So think about how you can spend money in a way that enriches you and helps you all grow. And, you know, I think the last thing is to really consider something for, you know, my my rule of thumb is about three days before you buy it. 
And, and before you, you do sort of decide to spend, think about all of the stuff that you couldn't live without that's now collecting dust, right? That you're now spending your time cleaning around and not using before you buy it. Because I think that that adds like that additional break that kind of cuts through that societal programming to just spend. I agree. And I, and I think, you know, if you're struggling to find a gift for somebody, you, you, you touched upon experience. Yeah. They've done studies to show that that people love things, but what they really remember are the experiences that they've had. So instead of a toy, maybe you go to see the ice capades or maybe you go for a special dinner or maybe you go to a lodge and go skiing or snowshoeing or whatever it is. Yeah. uh, Spending that family time together and spending the money that way might be better. Those memories might be more valuable than the thing that you're buying. Oh, yeah. I mean, that sets a foundation for stability and connection that's going to feed them through their life much more than an item is going to. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the next one, um, and this one, this one's kind of like the sweet spot, is be really mindful of connecting to joy. What do you mean by and that? So, so this is actually something that I tell my clients, almost all of my clients every day, and I see a lot of people. I mean to be playful. Um, you know, connecting connecting to joy is about is really in the details. So it's not about big things. It's it's about being really present and connecting to the joy of like putting on your favorite clothes that make you just feel so good in your skin. Mm-hmm. You know, or uh, you know, if you've got a dynamite coffee maker Mm -hmm. and you make yourself like this certain kind of coffee in a certain cup it's like really making that and sitting down and really enjoying it or being goofy like being playful laughing Um, instead of watching serious things like get together with people you love and watch something really funny go to see a comedian just find a way to really um, experience the pleasure of what it means to be in your body and to be a human being and to be connected you know what I'm saying? I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean... I think, yeah. I, I mean, I suppose uh, t- t- this time of year, it sort of lends itself to being... I wouldn't wouldn't say being selfish with your joy, but mm-hmm. sort of recognizing it and, and prioritizing it. Maybe that's Pri- the best word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Um, you know, for, for many people, because obviously I'm a yogi, um, one of the things that I really recommend is prioritizing your practice. And going to classes, you know, just taking the time to go and commune with your body and feel how joyful it is to just move and breathe and to, to cut through all of the, the distraction in your mind when you do that. Uh, it, it can be such a, it's, it's such a feeling of release, right? That can be quite joyful. Um, so, so that's one of my big things. Well, let's end on a high note. Okay. And we'll pick up next month. And when you come back, what are we going to talk about when you're back in the new year? We're going to talk about mindfully moving through change because it is the new year and people are thinking about it. So I want to capitalize on that drive. Fantastic. We'll see you in the new year then. Can't wait, Jamie. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. 
or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss why we feel shame and what we can do about it. Top tips to help kick emotional eating and other health and wellness topics. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.